Welcome to Love, Life and More of Attraction with Lisa Hayes. This is the place where you'll learn how to find the love of your life and build a life you love. Seriously, it cracks me up every time I hear that. Was that, hey, was that, was that kissing Go in ahead. that intro? Was it mwah, mwah, mwah? <laughs> I, It sounds like it, doesn't it? It's awesome. It's like, in case you were snoozing, you are not anymore. You are here with us. This is Lisa, and we are having the most interesting guest today. I mean, I'm slightly partial because Jeanette is my BFF, but Jeanette Ma is a good vibe coach. And she is, I think, the, not just a, the law of attraction expert. So we are very lucky to have her. And I think law of attraction and relationships brings up all kinds of sort of interesting, dicey kind of topics and conversations. So I'm thrilled. But for people who may not, I can't imagine who it would be, but just do it for good measure. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, I thought you were going to say we are going to have the most interesting conversation today. When you said guest, I felt a little flattered. <laughs> but I'm Jeanette Ma, the Good Vibe Coach, and I live and breathe all things to do with manifesting, conscious creation, law of attraction. I like to play in a wide variety of areas, but man, do I get a lot of questions about using creative powers in relationships with other people. And Lisa, you know this stuff better than anyone else I know, so I can't imagine someone more... Mm. Uh, I was going to say fun, but that's not exactly the word with you. Insightful might be a better <laughs> description of what it is to tap your brain for this subject. So I'm looking forward to this conversation today. I'm at goodvibeblog.com for anyone who doesn't know me. Goodvibeblog.com. Excellent. Um, so let's just dive in. I want to start with, because we have kind of a handful of questions that we tossed back and forth. I had a couple that I pulled out in case we have any extra time today. Um, let's start with LOA ethics and oh my God. relationships. Yeah. Yeah, let's do. So yeah. I think the question um, is, I think the question that comes across both of our desks and probably crosses everybody's mind is some variation of how can I use law of attraction to get that guy or that chick? Or is it okay to do that? Like, how do you feel, I know the answer to this question, about law of attraction and attracting a specific partner? You know, I, it's hard. It's, when we think about this in a bigger perspective, Lisa, it's hard to imagine places where we don't practice this. My official position is it's not cool. I wrote a blog post recently called The Voodoo I Don't Do, just so that I had a quick link for all the requests that I got from someone asking, how can I use law of attraction to get my ex back or to get this person interested in me, in me or this person who's engaged to someone else but uh, really should be with me. But when I, my official position is, hello, that's not using our powers in the way they were meant to be used. It's much more effective if we just focus on the love or the relationship we want rather than the specific person. And yet, Lisa, I posted after I published that post, Oh, several days later, I kind of was half joking, but not really, on Facebook about how um, there's a particular person who I put in the number one slot on my fantasy neighbor list. And I didn't mean that because I specifically wanted her to pick up and move and come live next to me, but um, Mm -hmm. 
But we do this too when we want when we want to get a job. When there's a boss or an interviewer or a decision maker, and we want them to make a decision in our what we believe is our favor. I think there are a lot of ways that we might be practicing this that uh, we. We, we might not even realize, and in some areas, it seems okay. It doesn't, but in this one, it's all of a sudden taboo. So I'm really interested in this discussion because I think it's a very gray area. Do you think it's even possible? Because I have I have an opinion on this actually, but I'm going to ask you: Is it even possible, really? to leverage law of attraction to attract a partner that didn't want to be with you in the first place. Okay. Well, if they were dead set against it, look, I'm a, I have a lot of evidence about how powerful we are. If there's someone who is not firmly grounded in what they want, they are so easily influenced, it's not funny. Lisa, you've heard me. I practice this all the time when I tell stories about how I, I used to recognize I was bracing for trouble when I would have a new litter of foster kitties at home because my, my boyfriend at the time, uh, he, he wasn't down with that work. He, he was not supportive. He would actually get quite irritated with me when I would do it. And I had a new litter of kittens, and I was bracing. I, I, felt my, I looked at the clock, 3 o'clock, oh, he'll be home in two hours, and I felt my energy just go in the toilet, and I was bracing for the onslaught of his unhappiness with this. And I realized in that I'm co-creating it. So I, switched, I changed my mind with that awareness. I said, no, that's not what I'm creating. What I'm creating is, and I imagined him being supportive, not because he all of a sudden loves fostering kittens, but because he knows it's important to me and he supports what makes me happy. So I changed my energy, my expectation, my knowing of him just by you know, sliding onto some more supportive thoughts. And the guy that came home, instead of opening the door to my office and seeing the kittens and and being all huffy and slamming the door and giving me the cold shoulder for two days, instead, what he did this time, he opened the door. When he saw the kittens, his face lit up. He smiled. He said, someone's got kittens. He got down on his hands and knees, and he tickled their chin, and he scratched their ears, and he asked me what I named him. I tell you I did not recognize that guy. Okay, he he strikes me as someone who's very easily influenced. He might not have consciously wanted to be supportive of my fostering efforts, but when someone gets plugged in, when someone is focused, when they're using their powers to whatever ends they are, I think they're highly influential. I think so, too. I think that... I mean, it all comes down to the most likely possibilities in the universe, and we're playing with a handful of them at all times. Like, I can see how that is a likely possibility in the universe or in the multiverse, I will right, say. Right, Even right, though right. it hadn't been the case in the past, it was a path of least resistance. Everybody wants to feel good. Everybody wants to be happy. Most people want to get on the floor and roll around with kittens, at least for a little while. So right. It's not like I was manifesting him going on a suicidal rage or anything. But think of all those stories. Well, okay, all. I know like three stories of people who were like super focused on a celebrity who later went on to marry that celebrity. And they were like, you know, at the time they were nobody. There's no reason to believe they would be on this celebrity's radar. And yet there they were. I think that's, you want to know why that works, by the way? Tell me. Because it's the, as Gina Gabellini would say, it's the wild hair intention. I mean, I will often ask clients to pick a celebrity muse because you can play with that without the angsty, ridiculous, oh, my God, please look at me, uh, energy. Like, 
when somebody's got the hots for a celebrity, it's just for fun. It's just for fun, right? There's Unless they're a serious stalker, <laughs> yeah. And then they're going to jail. But <laughs> even my look, I've been on the receiving end of this energy. Do you remember my story about my very first? experience with law of attraction i thought it was a bunch of hooey Mm -hmm. i only did this because i had a personal rule so i practiced the scripting miracles unfolded my boyfriend at the time it's a different boyfriend watching it happen the next thing and and i had i would i'd been in a dark place i mean breakdown uh depression was these were not words that were exaggerating my state of mind with the next day and the entire next week I was having more sex than I've ever had in my entire life. I was taking the bus home at work, okay? I was taking the bus home at work. It's not like I'm a big fan of bus rides, but there I was, morning, noon, and night, having sex with my boyfriend. Later in the week, I was like, what is it? As I'm taking the bus home after yet another nooner, I'm like, what has gotten into me? This is not like me. What's going on? And I realized he was paying attention to that little scripting thing that I did. He's using law of attraction without even having studied it, but... Hello, that's how it works. You don't have to be an expert in it to make it work for you to manifest more sex with me. And you know what I said to him, Lisa? I, I, I was a little concerned, frankly. I didn't like the idea that someone could be in charge of me. And I said to him, this isn't ethical. You need to stop that. He thought it was cool. And I said, you keep that up, and here's what could happen. Yeah, you manifest a lot of sex with me. I might be having it with someone else. So I would cool it if I were you, buddy. In hindsight, I'm looking back wondering, why were you ever complaining about that, Jeanette? But what what bothered me was the idea that someone else could influence me. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's but happening think, every day. We're doing it to each other all, all day time. long. Right. Like, but somebody actually, I think in that case, because you know me, like I think that he probably was able to tap into or activate something that, again, went with the flow of your feel-good, went with the flow of something that was to your benefit, to your highest, your highest joy. I mean, you didn't not like the sex. You didn't like being controlled. And so I, it's I like, really, it's I like the thought that you're that. sharing here. I, I like this thought. I don't want to argue against it. And I, think I like the thought the, that we cannot be manipulated. You can't be, I don't think you can be manipulated to your detriment. I mean, again, as people, as humans, we're wired towards wanting to feel good. We're wired towards wanting to feel better. So if somebody activates a vibration in me that's leading me towards my feel good, I'm going to follow down that road naturally, instinctively, easily. It's it's not going to be as easy for somebody to lead me down a path that goes against my best interests. Well, I, look, how many times have we seen it unfold, either for ourselves or someone that we're, we're witnessing this happen, where they pull the worst out of us because they expect it or because they're flowing such bad stuff that when we rendezvous with them, we are not at our best. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. This is, that look, is true. This is a little bit why I call this kind of voodoo-y. <laughs> like, I, I think this is stuff you want to be very careful about and focus on what we want to feel. Abraham teaches everything we want is only because of how we think we'll feel when we have it. If we focus on that and not get attached to the specifics, I think we're in good shape. Which is what I say when I get a client or a friend or somebody who's talking about wanting to manifest a specific person. It's like, okay, with some reservations, with some disclaimers, 
I can get on board for that under one condition, which is that we do use that person as muse energy. That person is activating a desire in you that's really specific, that's making you feel a certain way. You've got a strong something flowing there. So we can focus on that as long as activating Mm -hmm. the energy feels good and you keep the door wide open because the universe might deliver what you're really looking for, which is not that person. It's these feelings in a different Mm -hmm. form. If you can't agree to keep the door wide open, then I can't get on board for that work. You know, that's exactly what Mike Dooley teaches, too. He says you can use specifics if it, it, for the vibrational purposes only, not because you need it to look exactly like this, because it's what helps you feel it more strongly than anything else. I, I agree with you on that, and I think that's really easy for people to lose track of when attachment starts to um, be part of that vibration. It's e- easy to fool themselves or, or, or to try to wish it away. Um, you were making I think me... it's the only reason we ever desire anything, by the way. And I always try to explain this, and I never get it right. So you might have to bail me out here. The only reason we ever desire anything is because there's something about that thing that's well-crafted enough to move us in the direction of our highest joy. I mean, it's, that's, that's the only purpose of a desire. So if I'm desiring this person... That desire, until it gets to be a sticky attachment, is moving me in the direction of a really strong feel-good, a really high, high-vibing feeling. Like, that is the only reason. Every, all of our desires are perfectly crafted to get us to our highest state. Right, 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 right. And, and I think it's a little bit arrogant of us to think that we know how that's best delivered. Because if I get right. focused on whether it's, a love interest or a job or a home or whatever, if I think this is the best path for my happiness and I discount the bigger picture, universe, whatever you want to call higher power, that knows way more than I do, like I might have my eyes set on this guy and it turns out, you know what, he's still got a thing for an ex. He's never going to be able to fully give his heart to you because he's still hung up on someone else. If universe steered him out of my path because I'm vibrating rich, rewarding, true love, and and universe knows he's not your guy. It's crazy for me to think that I know more than higher power does. Which is why the door's got to stay open. I agree. Use, well, use the energy. Use the use the muse. Use the muse, but don't get attached to the the person. Use the muse of the car. Use the muse but, of the lover. Use the muse Lisa, of the house, but don't get attached how, to the address. How creepy is it when I intend things like, mm, I have probably intended for my neighbor to let his dog in on a cold night. I have probably, like, look, for as much as I say that voodoo I don't do, that's kind of, is that crossing a line in your opinion? How do I know what's best is for him to bring that dog in? I mean, obviously, I think I know that dog is better off inside in a warm place than in a freezing Utah cold winter, but... Is that creepy that I'm doing that? I think there's a big difference between that. Then, okay, so that is, it's a generous intention. It's rooted in compassion. It's coming from a place of sort of recognizing, 
recognizing whatever's in that moment, like that's really different than like setting up an altar and a vision board and listening to guided meditations with somebody's name in them all the time. <laughs> I, I, I hope you're not, you're not being you're not generous setting, with me. No, I mean, of course we do that. I mean, and I don't think there's anything wrong with Well, wouldn't it be cleaner if what I said was just, you know, whatever is in highest service of this dog, maybe I could add a person in there. If I just said that and and released attachment to what it looks like, how do I know? Maybe look, I have had chows. They do sometimes prefer to be outside. I don't know if for here my big spiel about how it's so arrogant for me to think I know what's best, and yet there I practice it, thinking that's cool. Yeah, it would be cleaner to say whatever's in the highest highest. Yeah, that would be cleaner. Oh my goodness, Bella, please. <laughs> She's listening to have, have conversations about dogs, and she has an opinion. Of course, that would of course that would be cleaner. But we're born with desires for a reason. So mm-hmm. I would say, actually, that in a universe where all things are connected, where we are not separate, where you can't actually cut yourself off from the experience of that dog, that desire that you feel may be the pull of the universe asking you to move some energy to get the dog inside. I don't think we're that separate. Oh, I like that idea too. But again, hmm. you didn't set up an altar to the safety of the dog, did you? Are you setting up altars I didn't, in your bedroom? But no, now that you mention it. No. <laughs> Tell me how that works, my friend. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I I cannot tell you how many times I'll respond to someone saying, yeah, okay, here's why you probably don't want to do that. And they'll be like, yeah, 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 I get it. But really, how do you do it? (laughs) Just give me a hint. It'll be fine. I won't misuse this power. I'm sure he wants to be with me too. Right, so that's the cue though, right there, okay? The word that you just used, fun. If you're doing it and it still feels fun, rock it out. I'm just going to say that. Like, I don't think there's right and wrong or good and bad and good desires and bad desires. If you've got the hots for somebody and you're using law of attraction and you're playing with that with fun energy, you're clean. If it starts to get darker, if it starts to get stickier, as Abraham would say, if it's turning on you, you get out. Because that's your cue. It's not a right and wrong. It's a feel good or feel bad. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to set up an altar to your neighbor's dog's well-being and you're laughing about that and it's light and you giggle every time you light the candle and that feels like a joyful expression of your creative powers, go for it. But Chances are, if you're really dialed down on, oh, my God, I want Rod, the guy who works in the tech department, like, that you're, that's, you, chances are high you're not going to be able to stay in that fun, light, giggly, creative, expansive energy. Fun might be the, the compass point, I think. Well, we know, yeah, that's powerful energy there. Anytime we can get lighter with something, and that's why that wild hair works so well that you referenced earlier, right? When you approach mm-hmm. something like that, that's magic energy because it is free of attachment. It has no charge on it. And I've seen that wild hair. I mean, I've seen people. I had a client a couple of years ago who used a celebrity wild hair, a celebrity muse, and the guy that she is 
married to now looks so much like that man. It's unbelievable, except I believe he's probably more awesome. <laughs> like this and something better. Dude, she nailed that. But she didn't have a lot of attachment to, you know, Pierce Brosnan. She was yeah, able I... to spin the energy. I think if a person truly were highly self-aware and they paid attention to how something felt, they can feel when it starts to get a little kinky, a little not so clean. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hardest part about deliberate creation is being honest with ourselves about that. When is this mm-hmm. clean and when is this not clean? I mean, old school I agree. Abraham, you probably remember it. Old school Abraham used to say, get in and get out. Get in for 30 seconds, and then the minute it shifts, get out. Get in yeah. for 60 seconds if you can, and the minute it starts to turn on you, the second, the moment it starts mm-hmm. to shift, get out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we know the difference, but when we're really in a strong state of attachment, we're real, we're willing to override that. We're willing to override that and just continue to, to scrunch our butt cheeks together and grit our teeth and try and do the work. Agreed. Agreed. And, yeah, here, so intending, you know, so that makes me wonder, Lisa, if just our whole, we could save ourselves a whole lot of uh, manifesting effort by just intending our highest well-being and calling that good instead of thinking we have to micromanage our way to happiness. I think we have to intend our highest well-being, but then we also have to activate it. Intending it in and of itself is not necessarily enough. You can't want something bad enough to get it. You've still got to be willing to be it. Agreed. Okay, should we do the next question? Let's do. What else are we playing with today? Um, Next question was, why do people get so hung up on needing someone else to deliver their happiness. Hmm. Yeah, like even for people who know theoretically, intellectually, that external circumstances cannot change how we feel. That's always an inside job. Even people who theoretically know that, I know because I've been one, where I get attached to something happening or not happening in order for me to feel better. It's happening right now. Today I've got uh, kittens who are um, taking the next step to their permanent homes. And, um, and man, I could feel myself getting wound up about how important it feels that they go to perfect, permanent, loving families. And... Um, that's me suspending my good vibrations for a particular outcome. In the context that that question comes to me is usually in the form of my life is going to feel complete once I find my true, well, your soulmate. You get that one a lot too, right? Where yep. your book came from, correct? Yep. Yeah, and I mean in my line of work and yours, it's like I've got everything I've done everything, and that word complete, it's not complete until I find that person, until blah, 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 until, like, really sort of suspending your complete happiness package. Like, you're on the economy package of happiness, and you're not going to be on the luxury package of happiness 
until until you find, attract, and nail down that man or woman. Mm-hmm. And I've been there. I've done that, mm-hmm. that very thing, actually. And I think we're actually, as a program, we're sort of, we're, as a society, we're programmed to think that. You're not done. You haven't, you, you're not done until you get there. But then we know you're not ever done. Once you get there, you're still not done. Yeah, I, I think that's actually one way many people learn the truth of this is by living that experience. Mm-hmm. You attract the thing that you thought you really needed to have, and then you're still not, it, you're still exactly. looking for something else. Yeah, this wasn't it. I mean, I think that's what happens to a lot of naive first-time um, marriage or spouses, you know, like uh, the ones who thought, oh, I'm going to live happily ever after. I got my guy. He's fabulous. We're going to, and then you step into it and it's like, well, I did this when I was building my coaching practice. I imagined that once I, I quit my corporate job that I was so stressed out with and I thought, I'll be happy when I build a thriving coaching practice to know that, yes, I can support myself doing what I love. And when I had a full-time thriving coaching practice three months later, I still was flowing the vibration of stress because that's all I'd been practicing. I hadn't practiced anything else. So even though I micromanaged the results, what my life looked like to match what I instructed universe day after day after day, I'm a brilliant coach in high demand. It's made it so, but it didn't change how my life felt. And I would have thought that was impossible. Of course I'll be happy when I get what I want. Hello, that's why I want it. No, myth. And it happens well, and in think, relationships and love a lot. Well, and it's, I think it's worse in love to some degree. The stakes are higher. Because if you're, if you're trying to attract a partner from a point of need for something, you're going to attract a relationship that mirrors that need, and you haven't just duplicated your need. You've, like, squared it. Like, whatever was missing in you, would you bring that second person in or that third person, or that fourth person, whatever lights your fire, and you, like, all of that, if you're not complete, you're not going to fix your not-completeness with someone else. You're going to amplify the not-completeness with someone else. It's, these are people. I mean, so we're literally doubling and tripling down on the bet for what we didn't have. Does that make sense? Am I Mm -hmm. I being clear on that? Yeah, I think that's actually a really profound way to look at it. I mean, when a person understands that, I think it can change everything potentially. So, I mean, Abraham says it all the time, just go get happy, which is I actually get a little irritated when I hear Abraham say, go get happy. I get irritated at you sometimes when you say it. Like, how? How? You said how? And yet, this is in your book. Like, you... Give instructions like before you can be loved by someone else. You've got to be. You got to love your own self and be have your own life that you love before mm-hmm. you're calling someone in on that party. I firmly believe. I mean, and I know that you don't believe in one soulmate. I don't know that I necessarily do. The word soulmate itself is kind of charged, but we'll just use it because mm-hmm. it's easy. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. a soulmate connotates 
the, the background energy on that is that this is an ideal, and a lot of people would say it's not. Some people would, you know, on Elephant Journal, you can read a hundred articles about how your soulmate is your most complicated relationship. <laughs> but that's not what we're really talking about here. We're talking about an ideal, peak experience, deeply connected relationship, an ideal love. You have to be living an ideal life to be able to attract that, to be vibrationally aligned with things that are that awesome. It's not possible to get in that vibrational territory if you're living a subpar existence on your own. And I mean, subpar existence might be rocking in a lot of ways, but if if you're not at your highest vibrational state, it doesn't make any sense to think that you can track a highest vibrational relationship from that point. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and I and again, I think people who are familiar with conscious creation can understand that theoretically and still not necessarily practice it. I know plenty do. Plenty, plenty, plenty do. But the ones who reach out for coaching <laughs> we're often uh, still struggling with that aspect of it. So, I mean, I think it's relatively, it's just, I'm going to use the word easy, and I giggle, it's relatively easy. Ha ha. And figure out what it is that you think a relationship is going to do for you. Figure out what you think that that new job is going to give you. Figure out what you think that that new car is going to give you. And go out and find as many ways as you can to feed that to your own self. Mm-hmm. If you think a relationship is going to make you feel secure, then go out and figure out how to get really, really secure. If you think a relationship is going to make you feel loved, if you think it's going to make you feel sexy, go out and start doing, start spoon feeding, shoveling that on your own self. Yeah, find ways to feel that, that way that now. Now. And mm-hmm. you and I, well, I, I, we always land in the same place. I mean, that's a vibrational thing with you. I kind of like the action approach. Like if well, you're I think looking it's the for same this thing. kind of it's energy, vi- go do it. Right. It's vibrational both ways, but sometimes it's the action that helps us get there better. Where a lot of people get hung up on that instruction, Lisa, is that I can't feel this way alone. That's why I want someone in my life in order to help me feel that, because this isn't something you can feel solo, which well, tell me what you respond when you hear that. You're not going to feel it together either. I mean, I mm-hmm. told this story yesterday on my interview with Matt O'Grady, and I've told this story a lot of times before. And I want to talk about unicorn syndrome. But, I mean, I was blowing what I call unicorn syndrome really big before I met David. I didn't think the guy existed, and I didn't think it was possible. And I knew as a deliberate creator that I was blowing that, and I didn't know how to shake it. I was trying I mean, I've got some good material in my life because, you know, my parents are madly in love and have been for 100 years, almost literally. But for some reason, I couldn't couldn't get into that. I couldn't get it. Like, for me, it still seemed, it's like I was kind of doing that bit about all the good guys are gone, they're taken, it's too late for me, my parents found each other early on, I, I couldn't do it. And so... Knowing that I was struggling with it, I had to get out of my own head and into somebody else's evidence. And I had a friend who hadn't had a lot of luck in love, 
putting it mildly. She'd seen she'd seen some tough times in that department as I had, and she miraculously manifested the man of her dreams. So so lovely and so perfect that we were all a little suspicious of him for a while. But they still to this day have one of the best marriages I've ever seen. And watching Trudy do it allowed me, it broke my unicorn syndrome. It's like, oh, Jack mm, exists. Mm, but, mm, but once I could mm. see that Jack existed, the, the you know evil spell was broken. I had to get out of my own life and go out in the world and be willing to look for evidence someplace else when I really couldn't dig it up for myself. That's a good way to accomplish that, too. So let's Here. let's talk a bit. Unicorn syndrome for a second. Were you going to say something else before? No, I, I was. Good? I was just going to say I'd like you to elaborate on unicorn syndrome. When you're trying to attract something you don't believe exists, <laughs> like, dude, I totally want a pet unicorn. I've got chickens in the backyard. They've got a lovely coop, and I think a unicorn in the backyard with the chickens would be awesome. And I've seen pictures of unicorns, and I have even gotten online and looked at pictures of strange animals that have horns coming out. You know, maybe there is a unicorn. I think a unicorn would be awesome. But I'm not on Craigslist looking for one. I don't believe it exists. (laughs) And I see this all the time in trying to attract relationships and probably other things, but relationships are what I do where somebody comes to the table and they're like, I want this guy or this woman. I want her to be like this. Da, 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 mm-hmm. da, da. She's going to be pretty and she's going to be sweet and she's going to be really creative and she's going to, you know, she's going to love my family and we're going to go on wild trips and we're going to have great sex and it's going to be amazing and she's going to laugh at all my jokes. She's never going to cheat on me because she's the most honest person ever with the most integrity and she's got this fiery passionate personality and yet I don't think that I don't think she really exists but that's what I really want but it's not really out there and and a lot of people aren't even conscious that they don't believe in what they want Mm -hmm. like they might say of course I believe in it yeah no I no I get it everything exists everything's possible yeah no I do I've been tripped up on this one my own self in manifesting my dream house where I've had to check some conflicting feelings or thoughts about, can it really be that good? <laughs> like that's me restricting um, what I'm allowing universe to deliver because if I don't fully believe in it, it's, it's not coming. It can't. Because universe so has to make you- me right every time. If I think that doesn't exist, I'm right. I get to be right, which is why it's so important for us to be conscious of these things that uh, we might not realize are impeding our manifesting efforts. What might be some clues that you're trying to attract something that you don't believe exists? (laughs) A lack of success is probably where I would start. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If it's taken a while... That might be there. You might have room for improvement. In fact, this is why one of Abraham, one of my favorite exercises that Abraham shares is amping up your belief. I've heard them say, if you have strong desire and strong belief, you're unstoppable because those are the two keys to successful manifesting. So one of their exercises in written form, the top of the page, you write down what it is that you want. Underneath that, you list all the reasons why you want it. However many come to mind, doesn't matter whether it's three or thirty. You write down as many. You don't want. You stop when you're stretching because once you're starting stretching, thinking for a reason, you're activating doubt or you're activating something else. 
on the back side of the paper, you write down all the reasons why you believe you can have it. Lisa, sometimes what I do for my alignment exercise in the morning is just remind myself of why I believe I can have what I want because belief is so key to manifesting. Mm-hmm. And I think we've taken it another layer. I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe that exists, but do I believe I can have it? Then you're then you're into like the ninja training level of this particular exercise. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that those are they're really closely attached. We can fool ourselves into thinking that we can nail the alignment because we do believe it exists, without really asking the question, "Do I think I can get this?" Like. I didn't have any doubt when I was dating that there were great, amazing, awesome, super hot, really successful, fantastic, ultra-spiritual men on the planet who were single. I believed that. A lot of people don't even believe that much, but I knew that was true. I had a Match.com account. It's like a man catalog. (laughs) A man catalog. (laughs) But they weren't showing up in droves at my door it wasn't that I didn't believe they existed. It was that I didn't believe, I was not giving myself enough reasons to believe that I could have that. Mm. Yeah, and look, worthiness comes into play here. And again, this is something that most people aren't even remotely consciously of or, or remotely conscious of when they don't feel worthy of what they want. But it, it can kink a lot of manifesting parties. Which is why self-love is so important, because when you amp that up, you kind of, you, you eliminate that obstacle. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised the only thing we haven't said over and over and over again on this call is the universe can only treat you as well as you treat yourself. <laughs> I like to remind myself that, let alone clients, because it's such a, a powerful inspiration for being good to yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to take a commercial, and then I want to come back for a second and talk about worthiness a little bit more, because I think there's right juicy stuff in here on worthiness. There is no choice in life that will have more impact on your happiness than who you choose to share it with. Everyone wants to find that one big love. However, most people are looking for that love kind of like they would play the lottery. Finding great love is not a game of chance. Warrior Soulmate by Lisa M. Hayes is a by-the-numbers guide to finding the love of your life and creating a life you love. Score Your Soulmate is a step-by-step soulmate finding formula that anyone can follow. What you will get along the way is a swoon-worthy life you'll want to share with that perfect someone. You can find Score Your Soulmate on Amazon or your local bookstore. Get your copy and start your journey to happily ever after today. Lisa, before we talk about worthiness, can I say something? Mm-hmm. How mu- about how much what I love, one of the things I love most about Score Your Soulmate uh, is that you m- took something that a lot of people feels really abstract, like they don't know how to wrap their arms around it, and you made it so concrete. I'm a rising Capricorn. I love the process you shared in that book. It's it's Thank inspiring. You. Yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. And I also wish your commercial had smooching sounds in it. <laughs> I almost well, made them. I, I don't know if we're muted for commercials or not, but I had to mute myself to go, Oh, because I think I heard that in the intro for your for your radio show. Uh, not for any other reason. I just look, gotta, I love that. I was thinking the other day, like, I haven't even properly thanked you 
for giving me the title score your soulmate because you were the one who came up with that shut up i thought that was, it was so you. brilliant i had no idea that came from some inspiration for me how cool is that it was flat out you we were on the phone one day and i ran through the process with you and you were like oh i'm gonna go look for score your soulmate.com <laughs> like oh stop it Wow. I've been telling people how much I like it. I'm like, it's score on, it's not, it's not how you might be thinking because it works on both levels. <laughs> that was your genius. You did it. Super good. All right, let's talk about deserving. So yeah. I'm going to say something that's going to raise to my brows right now. Ooh, I love it when you do that. I mean, wrapping back around to our original question, and I'm not positive that if you are fully standing in your righteous, God-given, I'm going to use that word, your birthright of deserving in your highest joy with the light of all things amazing shining on you, that you would ever be asking the question, how can I manipulate the law of attraction to attract this one specific person? I think possibly that if you are asking that question, if that is coming up for you or questions like that are coming up for you, you are not far enough in to the delicious, wonderful joy ride that is utter, absolute, deserving. Because if you were, first of all, you would be attracting all the lovely things you want anyway, but you would so strongly be standing in a feisty place with the universe being like, well, that person obviously doesn't deserve me. (laughs) There's something about ultimate deserving where we are no longer struggling to attract anything mm-hmm. because we're we're getting what's coming to us and we're we're satisfied with that. I was good, just going to add that there's a satisfaction, a fulfillment that that prevents us from having that yearning or that striving kind of energy. Mm-hmm. And for somebody who really wants to attract the guy that they're specifically looking at, that's going to make, that's probably going to piss them off to mm. say, I think you're looking for this because your state of deserving isn't strong enough, but I will stand there anyway. Well, and that's why that self-love to the rescue again, right? Mm-hmm. That's how we remedy that situation. I don't, I Okay, I've maybe met one person who couldn't benefit from practicing self-love. I think that might have been Byron Katie, but everyone else I've ever met seems to me we could all benefit from enhancing how we feel about ourselves, how how we treat ourselves in thought and in action. I mean, how often do you start with a new client or a previously existing client or a conversation with me? How often do you start an encounter with anyone where self-love isn't the first thing you talk about? Well, I, I look, I've heard Abraham say for some people that might be too big a stretch. It might be too far for them to go, so they're better off practicing love in general on something outside of themselves because it's just too challenging to direct that energy on oneself. And yet... I, well, that's why I wrote an e-book on the subject. I don't think there's anything that is more conducive to happy living, to getting what we want, whatever you want to call it, than practicing self-love. I think that's the. the I think that's where. Uh, if that's all we paid attention to, if that's all we practice, I believe all our dreams will come true. We don't even need to know anything else. Just learn how to love yourself. 
You know so, what, Lisa? You know in our 10 Life Skills ebook, I don't think that's in there, is it? The things we weren't taught that are totally essential? <laughs> I could be wrong, but I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't my chapter, so I'm not responsible. Or it kind of was, actually. That is not true. It kind of was my chapter because what my was chapter, chapter was about mastering self-care. I'm going to move away oh, from the story. Well, okay, because we self-care, self-care, How many self-care people think? is self-love in motion. Oh, I, ooh, what a beautiful definition. I can't tell you how many people I talk with who think they've got self-love mastered because they have a regular massage, they get their nails done, you know, they they think they're self-love queens because they're practicing self-care. I'm like, um, there's a distinction. There is a distinction. I think that the distinction comes in, in what's driving your self-care. Because, I mean, if I have somebody who says to me, okay, I do self-care, I'm getting my nails done, I'm going to the gym every day, I spend 45 minutes on the treadmill, I blah, 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 and the massage is just like the thing that you can do to get on to the next day. Sometimes we frame self-care in a very self-punishing way. Like I'm doing this so I can be different than I am. Oh, yeah, they, like not. if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, I'm eating, I'm following my diet, I'm, go, I'm meeting with my trainer, I'm doing the work, Th- that, that might meet some people's definition of self-care, but you're right, the energy you do it with, that could actually be self-punishment or self-hatred or self-loathing. And for some mm-hmm. people it could be, because it isn't the action itself, you're right, that's, that's a distinction I hadn't thought of. What, what I was thinking is that people who think they're doing the things that they that are to be good to themselves, they might be missing a really big boat in how they're talking to themselves, their self-talk, and the things they make themselves do in life. Like if you're working a job you hate, or you're in a relationship that isn't where you're meant to be, mm-hmm. there you self-love is not present. No, no matter not, how many massages but, you're getting. Hello, right? If you're doing self-love either just to get by the massage. Or doing self-love because you want to be different than you are, that's the opposite of self-love. If you are doing something to yourself every day, going to the job you hate, and you're getting a massage every week so that you don't have migraines for the job that you hate, that is the opposite (laughs) of self-love. I've been there. I know that drill, girlfriend, because I've had that standing appointment. And and those things might give you relief. It doesn't mean they're they're not good things to do, but we you got to go deeper. That's your work is not done here. But I hear it all the time. You know, self love sounds like a good idea, and I get that we're supposed to love ourselves. I have absolutely no idea what that actually means. I have actually no idea how to do it because I don't feel it. To which I would say, sometimes you got to get your ass in gear and let the feelings follow behind, which sounds particularly anti-LOA. But sometimes you have to treat yourself the way you would treat someone else that you yep. love, like the I behavior, agree. the habits, the demonstrating to yourself that you're worthy of that kind of care and tenderness. And the feelings do eventually follow, but sometimes you got to lead that show because you got to get in motion. I, Just waiting until you love yourself to treat yourself well is probably not going to work. And it's probably well, not going to yield really good LOA results either. You know what it seems to me? when uh, Whenever I 
start talking self-love with my male clients, it's not unusual for them to say, I don't even know what you mean by that. Can you explain? <laughs> when, I, when I talk with women, and, and I've had a couple women say that too, but a lot of time, women who especially have spent time you know, in the self-help section of the bookstore will say, no, yeah, I, I get it. Self-love, yeah, it's important. Yeah, I feel pretty good about myself, and I think we're good there. They <laughs> genuinely believe they, they're like, covered here could we talk about something else we they want to know the secret to manifesting whatever it is they engaged my services for this is it self-love is it's the way there and i agree with you lisa that very often the best way for us to practice it is to is to imagine how would we treat someone else if, if this isn't something we would do or say or think to or about someone that we love then don't do it to or think it about your own self Sometimes that's mm-hmm. our best way into it because we know how to love others often. And, and uh, look, let's be honest. A lot of us, the love we have for the people in our lives is not unconditional. So sometimes the, our best stand-in might be our dog, dog. our cat. For, I always use my, my ex-boyfriend as an example. For, he loves his golf game. He, he is so good to his golf. He, he, invet, he makes time for it. He invests money in it. He talks about it. He prioritizes it. He invests in it. So sometimes the way we can find our best practice for loving isn't always another person in our life. Sometimes you've got to use your cat or your dog. I use my imaginary daughter. I don't have any kids. So I, just, I, I often will say, what would I want for my imaginary daughter if if I'm having trouble knowing what the loving thing for myself is? Most people know the answer to that question. So I think that can be a good way into the practice. Because you're right. A lot of us don't. This isn't something we were taught to do when we were little. We were taught we needed to change, to do something different in order to be loved by our parent or teacher. We're mm-hmm. A lot of us were taught even more than that. I mean, a lot of us were taught that, I mean, fundamentally that self-love is egotistical, that self-care is selfish, that all of those things, and I mean, we're kind of off on a tangent about self-love and self-care, but I think that self-love really is like self-love and worthiness, self-love and worthiness, self-love and worthiness, all of the questions about relationships and jobs and money and everything else fades into the background when you're nailing those things consistently, when you've gotten far enough into the practice that the feelings have started to follow. Lisa, what would you say is the thing that you practice that contributes to your vibration of self-love most? If you were just going to pick out one thing that makes the biggest difference in your feeling of self-love? Uh, I'm trying to pick the right word. Curating my self-talk. Mm, 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 mm. That's, a good, that's a big one and a good one. I mean, I, 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 it took me a while to really grasp this. Like, I stopped, 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 broke the habit. I stopped myself from thinking shitty thoughts about myself. Like, I got that that was happening. I got how frequently it was happening. I could see clearly through the multiverse what that was creating in my world, and I just stopped. But for a long time, I didn't replace them with other thoughts that were loving and nurturing and supportive. So it was almost like I quit thinking about myself at all because... I mean, oh, there was wow. a void 
of loving energy that did not come in behind breaking that habit, which is why I say curating. I mean, it's not just about breaking the habit of negative self-talk, which is huge, and and everybody should do it, but it is about then following up behind that with a collection, a carefully selected collection of artisans, supportive, loving, and nurturing thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I I think, again, I what have I said this like four times, how easy it is for us to not be aware of the way we talk to and about ourselves. Mm-hmm. What would you I, say I, your that, biggest one is? Well, I don't know what my biggest one is that contributes to my vibration of love, but the one I've been getting the most bang from the buck for lately, meaning the, the one that I practice the worst but I'm getting better at, is um, not making myself do stuff that is not my highest joy. That mm-hmm. is that is turning out to be really, really huge for it. And every time I do it without apology now, I, I, I said it today, Someone wanted me to do something, and my answer was, you know what, that's not my highest joy. I'm going to pass on that. And it seemed like a thing that I should do. It kind of seemed like this is under your responsibilities. This is definitely an expectation many people have of you for a very good reason. And yet, it was not my highest joy. And that was reason enough for me to opt out of it. And the people, they they didn't think some very nice things about me. And, and I, guess what, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> now, that's not all the time. In every situation, but I'm getting so much better at it. So much better. Yeah. Yeah. That is huge. I mean, when you think about that in terms of the loving act, I mean, that is the way you would treat somebody that you really love. You wouldn't force somebody that you really love to be doing a bunch of stuff they absolutely that makes them unhappy. That's that's logical, and yet it's that's a ninja level skill. Girlfriend, it is ninja like level. That. I agree. In this in this culture where we are conditioned to meet others' expectations, and we get it from your young, from when we're young. You know, this is how most parents raise their kids. That you know, the approval comes when your behavior changes. You're either eating your vegetables, or doing your homework, or making your bed, or being nice to your sister. That's when the approval comes, and we learn to ignore what we prefer over what others want for us, and we become experts at satisfying the demands or interests of others. It's that's to come back from that one. It takes a little practice, especially in the world where our bosses still think they know what we should be doing. <laughs> our spouses mm-hmm. still think they know what's best for us, which can be, you know, that's a whole other conversation there. Yeah. All right, final thoughts. We've talked our way through almost an entire area of the hour. What are, what are your final wrap-up law of attraction thoughts on the infinite pursuit of love and relationships in the multiverse? Look within first. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, yeah, solve your own problems, fill your own needs, meet your own expectations, fulfill your own desires, start there first, and you will find what you're looking for on the path to taking care of yourself. I mean, it's, it is virtually inevitable that if you're pursuing the things that light you up, that if you're looking within going there that you will find that other thing while you're looking we're so Mm -hmm. smart we're oh my god we're we're super smart and if anyone needs any help with that i would recommend getting a copy of score your soulmate 
Me too. Thank you. I adore <laughs> you. Thank you. For, so one more time, where can people want to get in touch with you and connect with I'm, your genius? I'm blogging at goodvibeblog.com. Also, Good Vibe University, how do they find out? goodvibeu.com or goodvibeuniversity.com but I have links to it everywhere if you go to my Facebook page if you go to my blog you it's easy to find your way to Good Vibe University online gathering for conscious creators We're having a lot of fun over there by far by far without doubt <laughs> the best the talk about a curating a collection of things you have curated mm. the collection of the most awesome inspired deliberate creators on the planet it's a oh, greed it is amazing. They're amazing. So thank, mm-hmm. thank you for being here, my friend. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. What if nothing had to change for you to love the body you have right now? Everyone says you need to love yourself, but if you don't know how, self-love feels like a sugary sentiment that doesn't really mean anything. Body Love Boot Camp will teach you the mechanics of self-love. You will learn to treat yourself and your body like you are worthy of love, not later, but now. Loving your body now doesn't mean you've given up on change. It means you're treating your body with the kind of respect that change is made from. So, if you're ready to get off that diet roller coaster thrill ride once and for all, check out Body Love Boot Camp today. www.bodylovebootcamp.com The body of your dreams just might be the one you have today www.bodylovebootcamp.com Thanks for listening to Love, Life, Life and Law of Attraction. Tune in next week to learn more about how to find the love of your life. Love and love a life you love.